All right, as Curtis said, we are going to be talking about uh, things like spiritual gifts. We're going to be talking about uh, the role of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. But I felt like it was important for us at the beginning, before we get into those specifics, to, to have an idea of a, a spiritual world. And I'll tell you, you know, what does the spiritual world look like as a whole? And I'll tell you, if you want a, a little bit deeper dive on specifics, I'm going to touch just very briefly on the angelic realm or the demonic realm of the spiritual world. A while back, we did a three-week uh, sermon series, myself and Greg Meek, on angels and demons, and we did a deeper dive, and you can find that uh, on our website and go to Messages or go to YouTube and find the Get Well Church page and watch those there. But we are going to do today just a, a brief spiritual overview. What does the spiritual world look like? And we just start by understanding there is a spiritual world around us. We, we believe that, uh, at least in theory. Um, I hope you do, because it's true. There's a spiritual world around us, and we need to be aware of the spiritual realities. And I was reminded, I, I think when it comes to the spiritual world, this is probably my favorite story of all the Bible. It, it's not the most uh, informative. It's not going to take, you know, fill your toolbox. But I just think it's interesting. Uh, it shows us the necessity of one element of the spiritual world. And that is we have to understand that if we're going to see the spiritual world, that God must open our eyes to see it. Does that make sense? That if we're going to see the spiritual world, God has to open our eyes. And so we've got to just start by praying, Lord, and I'm going to pray that right now. Heavenly Father, would you open our eyes that we would become aware of the spiritual world? So 2 Kings chapter 6, we meet the prophet Elisha. And he is encountering uh, an army that is coming at him. Now, why is this army coming at him? Because uh, there is a, a neighboring king that is fighting against Israel, and Elisha has this nasty habit of telling the leaders of Israel what's going to happen before it happens. And it continues to protect the people of Israel. And so this neighboring king gets angry, and he sends an army to take out Elisha. And we pick up in 2 Kings chapter eight, I mean chapter 6, verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God, this is Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place and indicated by the man of God Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went by night and surrounded the city. 
When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, so this is Elisha's servant, he goes out the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us, Elisha says. And the servant is like, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. We're in big trouble. A Lord opened my servant's eyes, and the Lord opens the, the eyes of the servant, and there he sees this angelic army all around him. What Elisha prayed for his servant was that his eyes would be open to the spiritual realities surrounding him. And a lot of us as men are facing some very serious challenges. We're, we're facing uh, internal challenges. Maybe it's anger, uh, depression, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, um, addiction. Uh, it, it might be a number of things. And we're facing external challenges at, at work, in our marriage, with our children, in our finances, in our relationships. Uh, in our community, and it can be so very easy for us to say, God, the, the people around me, they are outnumbering me. Uh, the problems around me are outnumbering me, and, and that's all we can see, and we need to be praying daily, Lord, open my eyes to see that the ones for me outnumber the ones against me, and see the spiritual world. So what does that spiritual world look like? Very, this is a, a gross overgeneralization, but we can basically break it down into three different sections. Number one is that there's a spiritual world of good, that all the forces of God. Uh, one of my favorite uh, scriptures is in the book of Joshua, and they're about to come into the, the promised land, and Joshua encounters the angel of the Lord. And just, I think I've talked about this before, but just a little side note, as you're reading through the Old Testament, almost always you see that phrase, the angel of the Lord. This is a physical manifestation of God, an embodiment of Christ in the Old Testament. And so Joshua gets to meet Jesus. And Joshua asks him, are you for us or are you for the enemy? And you remember what he said? Neither. I'm the commander of the armies of the living God. Uh, and the, there is an army of the living God. And there's a spiritual force of good. The angelic realm, uh, God himself, uh, the Holy Spirit is at work. Which means if there's an army of good, there's also an army of evil. And there are evil forces. There are fallen angels who are overseeing the nations. There are demonic forces that are uh, at work doing the, the work of Satan and working against us to bring all kinds of division and deception and distraction and destruction. And then there's a third section. And you're like, well, you covered good, you covered evil. What's the, the third? 
And that, that's us. That's humanity. And there is a war taking place not only within us, but for us. Uh, there's a war taking place for our hearts and for our spirits. And we uh, are this unique part of God's creation that we are embodied, but we are also spiritual. And in the Christian world, and this is nothing new. This has happened from the very beginning of the church. Uh, there are two big mistakes that we make. One is to overemphasize the embodiment of our nature and to neglect the spiritual. And one is to overemphasize the spiritual and to neglect the, the embodiment, the physical. And what we need to understand is that God created us with both. And both matter. You know, God is not, the, the point, we're not Buddhists. The point is not to like come to some other alternate reality where you leave your body and, and reach some higher consciousness. No, God didn't say figure things out to be in the spiritual world. He brought himself and took on a body to redeem our bodies. But God is spirit. And in Genesis uh, 2, he breathed life into us. And so we are spirit. And so we got to understand that, that they're living together. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, that the physical and the spiritual collide in God's creation and in our lives. And we're going to talk about what that means. But what happens if we don't see the spiritual world? Like it's one thing to say, well, yeah, I know I'm supposed to see it, but why? Like if I don't see it, what are the consequences? Well, in Ephesians 6, chapter 12, Paul tells us that, that we don't fight against prince and principalities of this world. We're fighting against prince and principalities of a spiritual world. Or he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. We, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Uh, ultimately, what is the consequence if we don't see the spiritual world? We're fighting a wrong battle against the wrong people with the wrong weapons. We'll hurt the wrong people, and we'll fight in a way that's ineffective. Uh, it will fight in a way that even if we win, we don't win. You know, and so what happens if we don't see the spiritual world? Well, you might give in to the fear that overcomes when you focus on the problems around you. And it looks like you're outnumbered. Uh, what happens when we don't see the spiritual world? We might act on what we think is best rather than what God tells me to do. You know, look at the book of Judges. And that phrase that appears over and over, everybody was doing right in their own eyes. In other words, everybody was doing whatever they wanted to do. And I don't know about you, but I've experienced what happens when I do what is right in my own eyes, what I think is best. Uh, there's another phrase that appears in Scripture over and over and over again. Uh, they did not seek the Lord's wisdom, or they did not ask the Lord uh, what to do. And every time you see that phrase where they did not ask the Lord what to do, you are guaranteed what follows is calamity. And when we do that, uh, we may think we're wise or smart or educated, but when we're not living in a spiritual world, understanding that God has wisdom that we cannot find in this physical world, we will get ourselves in trouble. And then what happens when we don't see the spiritual world? 
perhaps most importantly, we react or respond to people, things, events, or circumstances incorrectly as if spiritual forces are not at work. So this is where we, we see our, our wife as the enemy or our boss as the enemy or our neighbor as the enemy or even our enemy as the enemy. Rather than understanding that there are spiritual forces at work that want to see us divided, they want to see us distracted, they want to see us deceived, ultimately they want to see us destroyed because they hate God. They are offended that God would leave the spiritual world where they reside to redeem a physical reality. That offends them, and they hate God because of that, that, that for, in their eyes that God would stoop so low to take on flesh, to elevate you and me. And so they want to destroy us. And we need to understand the real enemy and, and how heartbreaking is it that we hurt one another because we don't see the spiritual realities at work. So what do we do? Well, we've got to understand, as I said, that the spiritual and the physical absolutely are interacting with one another. There are angels and there are evil forces, demonic forces that are absolutely at work in our life. Uh, there are angels at work. Many of you have heard uh, my testimony. If you came to men's retreat last year, you got to hear that and how I've experienced the power of angelic intervention. And, and many uh, in this church have experienced the hand of God in, in a powerful way like that. Think about in this story, angels were surrounding, an angelic army surrounding Elisha and his servant to do what Elisha and a whole army of Israel could not do. And the same happens with us, but there are also evil forces at work. And again, uh, what are they doing? They want to deceive, they want to divide, they want to distract, they want to destroy. And we need to be aware. You know, what did Jesus pray? Remember? The end of the, the Lord's Prayer, and deliver us from evil or from the evil one. So these forces are at work in our lives, and, and they're interacting with us, and they they have an impact on our world. The spiritual impacts are physical, but also our physical acts impact our spiritual world as well. Now, this is where we sometimes miss it as men. We're like, well, you know, my sin doesn't impact anybody. Really? How's that working for you? Not only does our, our sin impact the people around us, but it has serious uh, spiritual implications. Everything we do physically I mean, sin has a major impact on the body. I mean, like you drink long enough and, and make that a bad habit that you, and you get out of control, what do you get? You get cirrhosis of the liver. All right, you, you, you have other sinful habits. I'm not saying having a drink is sinful, but being out of control with it, 100% is. But you have ongoing sin in your life is absolutely going to have a sin, uh, an impact on your body. Uh, what does Paul lift up as an example? He talks about this uh, sexual sin and how that has a major impact on our bodies. Uh, there are other sins that, that interact with the, our physical well-being and physical actions. Words are absolutely opening us up to spiritual activity. And we need to be aware of that. So what I do spiritually has a physical impact. Thoughts, feelings. Uh, our spiritual elements 
that impact our physical lives, but our physical actions impact us as well. So let's think about all the ways that, that the spiritual and the physical collide. So we've talked about the physical implication, right? Like you believe in lies long enough and you give in to depression or anxiety or just false thinking, then that will have a, a degrading, a eroding impact on your physical health. Uh, what about your mental health? Uh, you give in to sin long enough and it's absolutely going to have uh, impact on your mental health. Uh, we all have experienced the impact of sin on our relationships. You, know, you give in to sin. And this is what I tell, you know, young people, students, college students all the time. Like, God is not trying to hold his thumb down on you to see if you're going to obey the rules. He's trying to protect you from unnecessary pain. Now, there's plenty of pain to go around in our broken world. I don't need to add unnecessary pain on top of it by sinful, broken choices and actions that are going to impact me, but also my relationships. Uh, impacts us emotionally. Uh, many of us have experienced the impact of sin on us professionally. You know, this is uh, a huge example of, well, my sin doesn't impact anybody else. Really? Well, how many of us have been impacted in our workplace by the sin of other people? Uh, anybody remember Enron? Uh, it has major implications, a ripple effect on the people around us. And then financially, Lord, how many of us could go back and if we had a redo in our financial world of bad, selfish, greedy, broken choices that we've made that have impacted us financially. It has so many implications. And so what do we do with this? Right? Like that's the ultimate uh, for us as men. So just tell me what to do. I, I, don't, I don't need theory. I need application. So what do we do? Well, that's where we go to James chapter 4. And he tells us exactly what we need to do in regards to this spiritual world. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So what do we do? Well, we've got to two, two things. Run away from evil and run to God. One of the most dangerous things that we can do as men is to let our arrogance and a false confidence diminish the impact of the evil spiritual world, well, it's not going to impact me, that we flirt with things that will harm us and others. And it, you don't have to be playing with Ouija boards to be flirting with the evil of the spiritual realm. I mean, it can be things that you watch or that you listen to. It can be uh, things that you participate in. It can be uh, spirit, uh, sexual sin, pornography. Uh, it, it can be a number of things that when we continue to open our minds up to it, basically what we're doing is we're coming close to evil rather than close to God. We're opening our hearts up to the forces of Satan rather than the forces of God. And so we've got to make sure that we're running away, not flirting with it. You know, it's like 
It'd be like asking the question when we say, well, how close can I get before I'm, I'm dealing with sin? That's like saying, well, how long can I stick my hand in the fire before I'm burned? Like, why would you ever want to do that? Like, get away from the fire. Get away from sin. Run away and run to God. And what does that look like? Well, James tells us. Well, number one is we have to repent. And I think this is really hard like, for us as men. Like, sometimes when we realize that we have sin in our life, our pride takes over, and rather than acknowledging and admitting and repenting, which means to turn around and go the other direction, we double down. Right? I don't know about you, like, I do that all the time in my marriage. You know, like, we'll, we'll get in a conflict, and I realize I'm in the wrong, and rather than being willing to admit that I'm in the wrong, I just double down and just hope that nobody finds out. And it just creates more pain. So we've got to be willing to re- repent. And then we've got to be willing to submit. Submit to the Lord. And this is hard for us as guys, too, because we don't want to realize or admit that we're in need. But every single one of us are in desperate need of God's direction, God's power, God's wisdom, God's forgiveness, uh, God's leading in our lives. And we've got to be willing to submit. And a lot of us, we're like, well... I'm willing to take a step of faith if God will just make it clear to me and help me understand what I'm supposed to do. Listen, that's not faith. That's certainty. Faith is I have no clue what is going to happen or where this is going to lead me or what this looks like. But God's calling me to it and it lines up with his word. And so I've got to step out there and submit to what God's telling me to do regardless of what the, the outcome may be. We've got to be willing to do that if we're going to come close to God, which means we've got to, number three, we've got to trust. I've got to trust him. You know, I've got that saying that, that the best indicator of God's future faithfulness is his past provision. He has a perfect track record. You can trust him. And then number four, and this is my, my favorite one, I, I like the way this sounds, is we've got to obey, don't play. And what do I mean by that? Obey God and stop playing around with spiritual dangers. You may think you're strong enough to handle it. I promise you, you're not. You may think, well, I'm in control. You're probably not. You may think, well, I'm not hurting anybody. You probably are. And so we've got to stop playing around with these things that that we know are not in the heart of God. And stop justifying, well, it's not that bad. Well, it's not that good either. <laughs> you know, we, why would we want to spend our lives with not that bad when we can spend our lives chasing after the heart of God and have a life that has impact and legacy? That we can stand before God and hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Why would we want to open up our hearts to even the possibility of bringing on demonic impacts in our lives or our families or those around us and so obey don't play lord i repent i submit i trust i obey completely i'm all in with you because i realize there is a spiritual battle that is real it's taking place and i don't want to open myself up or others to unnecessary pain or harm i want your protection your leading your guidance i want you at work in my life. So we got to see it. We got to acknowledge it. We got to begin to understand it. And then we got to say, Lord, I'm with you. I'm all in. Nothing held back. 
So we're going to be exploring this more through this semester, uh, what this looks like, the spiritual battle, the, the spiritual giftedness God gives us to engage. Uh, what does spiritual fruit look like? What's the role of the Holy Spirit in this? Uh, because what we need is, is not just a to-do list or a self-help book. What we need is the living Spirit of God in us, changing us. Now, my deepest prayer for myself and for you, and I'll close with this, is that we don't have to white-knuckle it through life, trying so hard to be good boys. But we can be men of God because we've been changed from the inside out only by the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's pray. God, thanks for this word. Thanks for the, the realities of, of the spiritual world and that you've overcome. Thank you for your Holy Spirit work in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.